Welcome back to the Zero Weakness Podcast, where we talk about how to be a better lifter, how to be a better coach, and everything in between. Make sure you subscribe and enjoy. Hello and welcome to the Zero Weakness Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Go to establishmentcoffee.com.au, use the code 025, get 25% off your order and free shipping. We are back with another podcast with the fam. Um, to get things started, let's talk about what's one thing we're grateful for oh. and, and why. Oh, I like this segment. Show a bit of gratitude to start the potty. I thought about this this morning. Put us in a good mood. Tom Brass. Tom Brosie. Hmm. Um, oh, jeez, I haven't thought about this either. You want to say the right thing. I hate it when it's like one thing. At least when it's three, it doesn't matter if you say the wrong thing first like, yeah. and think of a better one later. Um, 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 I'm grateful for community. I was just looking at the the post that they made on, on Zero Brisbane and, and like it's really cool to see um, – new community form uh you know obviously i'm biased under the the zero banner but like it's one thing to put together a gym and put a bunch of equipment in a space but seeing people come to it and find each other and blend with each other and turn into a community and uh me not being part of it directly you know i'm not there to drive that community it's it's heartwarming it's really cool so I'm, i'm grateful for the sense of community and the friendships and the camaraderie that something like Zero has provided. That's a really good grateful. That's a great mm. one. The vibe up in Brisbane is awesome. I was there a couple of weeks ago to film. Um, I, am I allowed to talk about that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Why wouldn't you be allowed to talk about <laughs> it? Wait, what were you filming? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, uh, Thomas was like, uh, I want you to get the vibe up there. And I was like, all right, well, I don't know what the vibe is. I've never been there since it opened. And, um, yeah, it like it, I I knew n- no one there really besides us, some of the people that trained down here, and it was just such a fun um, atmosphere. Everyone was like just smiles on their faces. Everyone wanted to talk to you and whatnot, and yeah, it really shows in this video um, that I made. It. I, I'm keen for everyone to see it. Um, but yeah, love it up there. Nice, good dog. What are you grateful for? I'm just grateful for all of you guys. I know that is a bit cringy, but yeah, <laughs> it's just a really good team and I'm really happy to be here and I love you all. We're grateful for you. <laughs> love, love you too, Gidge Dog. How good. CJ, what are you grateful for, brother? Um, Strepsils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't taken any, but I should. I'd be very grateful for them. Uh, armor Force. Yeah, yeah yes. Armor Force. I am so grateful for Armor Force. <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel like Armor Force is very strong within the Asian community. It definitely is. Yeah. Is like, it? Yeah. The only people I know that takes it are uh, my fellow Asians, like yourself. Uh, Mig so. talk, talk, uh, takes it. Mm. Um, like my housemate, Johnny, he takes it too. My mum swears by it. It's, it's an Asian thing. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I got my mum onto it, so yeah. Mm. Um, well, yes, good medication. But uh, I think something I'm grateful for is, there's actually something Meg posted on her story that, it just is a quote that stuck with me. Um, she said, like, training is a privilege. And that's something that uh, really kind of shifted my perspective. I think we can get so over training or get, you know, pretty uh, complacent or see it as mundane. But when 
yeah, I remember, I think I said this last podcast when we had, you know, when had COVID restrictions and we couldn't train, it was the worst thing. And it really took a toll on, uh, admittedly, like my mental health, but a lot of my friends, I couldn't train. So I think, yeah, shifting my perspective as to like, oh, I have to train to knowing like, man, I don't think there's many places where I probably still couldn't train or even more so train with the facilities we have here mm. <laughs> recently we train other gyms and yeah i really love the equipment that we have here yeah. and it's yeah i never thought i'd be a snob when it comes to equipment <laughs> but i really am now <laughs> so yeah very grateful for um having the privilege and the option to to get to train and to get to exercise and yeah yeah that's a great one when i was out at my parents the other week they're in the middle of nowhere there's no gym there i couldn't do anything yeah yeah it was terrible. I was showing my parents how many push-ups I could do. <laughs> <laughs> Bench press a dingo. <laughs> a dingo. <laughs> a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah. Too soon. Hashtag too Dead soon. kangaroo. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, I am... <clears throat> I'm grateful for my health and my able body. After mm. having Lee Skinner on the podcast last week, um, I got a little bit emotional during the episode. I don't know if you can tell. I nearly cried. Eh? Yeah, bro. <laughs> fuck. I didn't talk for the whole episode. Oh, man. And then at the very end when... Thomas was like, oh, you got anything to say? And I was like, mm. Aww, <laughs> yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm super grateful for my health and like seeing how positive Lee is with the, uh, the trials and tribulations that he's gone through and his peers, like in the, um, in the para lifting community. Um, yeah. I'm very grateful for my health. Like I get a sore hammy or whatever. And you know, I think it's the fucking end of the world, but I've got two legs that work every day. I got, you know, I can walk around. I don't have to think about going upstairs. I don't have to think about how heavy is the bag I'm carrying into the gym. I don't have to think about any of that. We just get up and do it. So I'm really grateful for uh, my able body. Mm. That's a good one. So mm. grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Um, what have you guys been up to? How's training been? Um, yeah, I'm really loving training at the moment. I'm still doing squat bench deadlift, but I'm focusing a lot more on accessories at the moment. Doing a bit nice. of bodybuilding. It's fun. Getting jacked. Yeah. Mm. Trying to. Juicy bridge. Mm. Yes. How good. Tombras? I'm sore. Yeah. <laughs> Very sore. I'm dedicating the next at least two blocks, maybe more to similar to, to Bridget bodybuilding. But um, in the past when I've done this kind of training, I've probably not, I, I've normally done this kind of training when I'm in a calorie deficit, like without the the direct intention of, of growing. This is, this is probably the first time ever since being a kid really that I've uh, decided to dedicate a, a couple of blocks to eating big and pushing accessory work really hard. When I've done that in the past as well, I've gone hard on squat bench deadlift. So this, this time I'm not doing any squat bench deadlift. The only barbell work I'm going to do this entire program uh, is going to be barbell RDLs. Nice. Um, and I'm doing everything with RIR. Um, and it's good to remind yourself how much more you've got. You know, yeah. like to, to push towards where you would normally stop in, a, in say, a powerlifting program with the focus maybe is a bit more on movement and be like, you know, I can push a couple of more reps and then get to that point and be like, I'm not even going to fail yet. I can keep going. It's, it's cool to unlock that again. Um, I speak like I've got heaps of experience with it. This is day three. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's but, but I'm having fun so far and I, nice. I'm looking forward to the, the coming weeks. That's sick. I um. Because you've always been super consistent with your training for as long as I've known you. You've just you always train no matter what. Mm -hmm. Even if we have a big comp, you'll still do some bench or something after or whatever. Is this the most consistent? Well, I think it is 
but this is the longest I've seen you with a uh, like really good body composition. So is that like is that no? But that's what I mean. So it's is just because when you met me, I was fat. As nah, nah, I'm not trying to say that, but I'm like, is that why it's a little bit different? Why you can eat up now in this in this prep? Where after comp, usually, like, all right, I want to I want to put myself in a calorie deficit. Uh, if you know what I mean. Um. Since since you've known me, yes, yeah. But back in the past, like when I was ninety hundred kilo lifter, uh, I I wouldn't I wouldn't do that as often. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was like balls to the wall powerlifting all the time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Right. Are your hips thanking you for it? No, <laughs> they don't thank me for existing. <laughs> well, well hang on. Let's come back to what what are you going to uh, say? What is RIR? Reps and reserve. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if you're two RIR, you're going until you believe you have two reps left before you get a fail. Oh, okay. So, instead of doing, like, six sets of six or whatever, I'm just doing two sets of, like, one or two RIR, and it's way harder. Like, it absolutely floors me. And for the last 12 months, I've done all my accessory work with, like, a maximum one or one minute and a half rest period. Now, I'm going harder on intensity and longer rest periods. That's cool. Um, I want to come back to you. Your run this week. Yes. So what's the training look like into it? How are you feeling about the big day? I'm very excited. My nutrition's been on point. I'm about uh, eight kilos down since when I first started this prep. So I'm like 81. I hover between 81 and 82 kilos, which is the lightest I've been since 2017. Uh, my So last time I ran was last year. So my race nutrition is way better in terms of how I hydrate during a race or during a run. Um, like how I'm manipulating my sodium intake, my carbohydrate intake, things like that. Um, and leading into the race, I had two easy runs this week, one easy, like six K run. So it's really, so the volumes dropped right down. The intensity is really low. And yesterday I had like a race simulation. So it was like a four K up and four K at race pace and then a warm down. So it was like 10 K work. And that's my last run until game day, which is Saturday. Nice. Yeah. So I'm gunning for a, I don't know if I should say, no, I'll say it out loud, but I want a sub 140, uh-huh. uh, which is pretty quick quick or sorry in terms of runners like it's not very fast but for me that's kind of fast so it's around like 440 to 445 per k yeah so let's go i'm excited and then after that what i really want to do is we're going to talk about it later in the podcast but i think i want to try actually get strong and run Mm -hmm. where this time i've been training but the goal hasn't been on trying to get strong yep Mm. have you found any differences in your performance since you've been able to tie your hair up uh, yeah, I just look way sexier now when I exercise. Look slick, <laughs> aerodynamic. Yeah, no, the shitty thing is my hats don't fit, fit me properly now. Ah, uh, too much hair in the way. Yeah, so like my hair is like kind of because I don't know if you can see this on camera, CJ, but like uh, my hair's tied up now, so it's long, uh, and it just like when I run, it pushes my hair, uh, <laughs> my hat up, bumps it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah because I can't tie it up because my hats don't fit me properly. Can't you go like the ponytail through the hole? Mm. Yeah. Do a snapback? Um, I haven't thought of that. I don't know why. <laughs> that's what it's such for. an amateur. Yeah, I know. That's so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm new to this. I'm new to this. Um, but yeah. Are you going to get cornrows like CJ? My hairline, my hairline isn't as tight as CJ's. <laughs> I got a few years on CJ. I'm 31 years old. Okay. Not yeah. Old. Not old at all. <laughs> no, my hairline. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, I got the McDonald's logo. It looks fine. <laughs> but if you pull it right back really hard in cornrows, it will just look plain up. Nah, not Martins. McDonald's. It's Vegeta. The Vegeta. Vegeta yeah, let's yeah, run with Vegeta. that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. No, nah, I'm excited. Can't wait. It's gonna be sick. And then, yeah, nah, it's cool. How do they? 
is it all done electronically with the little thing? Yeah. Because, like, how do they account for, obviously, there's hundreds, I don't even know, thousands mm. of runners. Like, yeah. how do they account for who's at the front? So you've got to be seated to be right at the front. Oh. So you've got to, like, it's funny. It's it's really cool how it's, like, all the professionals are running with us fucking bozo amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a really, there's a press conference on Friday with all the elite athletes. Yeah. So they get seated. The top three are from Japan. So they're coming over for, I'm assuming there's big prize money. That's why people come from all over the world and they would want to qualify for bigger marathons. Yep. So their times will qualify them for like the Boston Marathon and things like that. So you've got to be seated. So to be in the seated group, you've got to run for the half marathon sub one, I could be wrong, but one oh one seventeen. Yeah, nice. So these guys are flying. So for context... Some of these guys, you go to your local gym, you put the treadmill up as fast as it can go. That's not even as fast as some of these guys are running. Fire out. Yeah, for 21Ks. Yeah. And then there's guys doing the full marathon. They, the same thing. They're running the same pace for that long, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Mm. It's insane. Really puts it in context when you look at it like that. Yeah. Like the treadmill analogy. Yeah. Wild. It's nuts because, like, we've all been on a treadmill and you put it up as fast as you can go. You're fucking, your legs are moving. and Yeah, well, you do, like, one-minute intervals on that for sprint training. Yeah. High-intensity interval training, not two hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's nuts thinking, uh, like, Kipchoge Elliott, the fastest marathon runner in the world, he ran a 2.59 marathon. Mm-hmm. And that's two minutes 50 per kilometer. And I'm pretty sure a treadmill at EMF uh, went to 2.54. So it didn't even go as fast as he ran a full marathon. And wow. That's insane. insane. Which is crazy. Absolutely wild. It's yeah. flying. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have heard me reference it before, but anyone listening, if you want to hear more about like that and the science behind insurance, read the book, Endure. It's fascinating. That's sick. We'll link that below. I don't know if we will, but <laughs> <laughs> I just hear other people say that stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about? Oh, CJ, how's your training? Oh, um, I've just finished um, my block of... um. Uh, hypertrophy, uh, high volume. Um, so, but this week I've been sick, so I haven't been training. But thank goodness it's deload. <laughs> so, they, I guess yeah, I got sick at the right time. Mm. But um, yeah, looking forward to what Bridge Dog has for me next. We'll have kinda, a chat about it. Kind of nervous, but uh, <laughs> yeah, can you, can you like being I guess sick and not training has made me miss training. So that's good. Mm. Um, yeah, we saw you hitting a bag last week. What's the go there? Um, Who are you angry at? No, no, no one. It's yeah, what's your grievance? Who's, <laughs> who's your grievance of the week? Because he even did a ground and pound one again, Thomas. I saw it. Yeah, that's playing up. I got asked by Jack Barnes to do that one again. Um, I look so silly in the gym doing it. Um, nah, well, no, I, didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> no, no, there's no grievance. Uh, it's the only form of cardio I actually enjoy. I, I don't like going for runs or walking or anything like that, but... Boxing, for some reason, like, it, it takes my mind off the fact that I'm huffing and puffing and about to choke to death. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoy hitting a bag. It's something I used to do as a teenager, and, yeah, I, I really enjoy, it. yeah, that that sport. Sweet. Do you have any aspirations to get back in the ring? No. No, mum wouldn't let me. <laughs> she, she, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the biggest reasons why I stopped is, I guess, like, yeah, uh, as a kid, you dream to be great and yeah. want to, you know, make millions of dollars and whatnot. But the chances of doing that is, like, less than 1%. And I, I'd i had fights and I was good. But I think 
to make it to that level, you've got to come from nothing and have that kind of, you yeah. know, um, mongrel in you, which I, like I had a bit of, but I think, yeah, you've got to, like the guys that made it at the top, for them it was they either made it or they starved to death. You know what I mean? Um, and even if you do make it to the top, at what cost is it? Like uh, for me is I'd like to <laughs> grow old, raise my kids and whatnot and be present. You know what I mean? And a lot of the people that I was training with and coaches that coached me, uh, like I could see them they were getting like punch drunk and whatnot and, you know, and they, they weren't even that old. So that was like that's almost a guarantee for me, but whether I make millions is a very slim chance. You know what I mean? Mm. So I was like, I should just do this for fitness and I shouldn't, I should listen to mum. As a, as a, <laughs> as a fellow uh, country, as my fellow countryman, a Filipino, <laughs> yes. I'm sure your mum has heard of someone called Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's the reason why I got into it. Yeah. But so like, does she not look at uncle Manny and like, CJ, that could be you. <laughs> no, no, she she hates like even as a kid when I played rugby, she hated it. Really? Yeah, she was like, "That's so violent! Like you're gonna hurt yourself." And like I did many times. Yeah. And then I don't I don't know if I've told you this, but so the reason why I played rugby and rugby league growing up is because my mum didn't want me to uh, didn't want to raise me like a Filipino, even though she really didn't. I hung out with lots of Filipinos, <laughs> but she wanted me to like mingle with like the Westerners, and she's like, "Nah." All the Filipinos play basketball. You go play rugby. Did she like? <laughs> did she force feed you marmite? Nah, no. she never did that. No. It's it's really common. It's really common here. Like, this is getting a bit nerdy, but when when I worked for the government, one of my first projects was working with um, cold communities, so culturally and linguistically diverse. And we worked with a lot of new arrivals and refugees. And it's really common practice for refugees, especially from places like Sudan to come here um, to feed their kids their cultural food and the kids are like, no, I want to be like the other kids. Oh. And then, you know, buying just the junk food that we have here because the cultural food that they send them to school with is fucking awesome. Yeah. You know, it's really, mm. it's a good good uh, food nutritionally, but it's also just tasty. Uh, but the kids just want like Marmite sandwiches or Vegemite sandwiches or whatever. Yeah. That yeah. was me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like coming to school with like a bowl of rice. Yeah. Like, I was embarrassed too. Yeah, I was very embarrassed um of what that looked like to kids like having like ramen. So I mm. wanted like LCMs and what everyone roll like roll ups, like what everyone else had. I remember being roasted because I told my friends that um I eat with my hands. And I remember like, Are you poor? Do you not have <laughs> knives and forks and spoons? I was like, What the fuck? <laughs> to me this is normal. But because my dad did FIFO, uh while my dad was away we ate like Filipinos. Every meal was rice. And then when he'd come home, we'd eat like Westerners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah. No, mum's very protective. She doesn't like me doing contact sport or hated that I did boxing. Absolutely there's, hated it. There's she a was, simple solution. Just don't get hit. Yeah. 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 Well, still, she knew because I'd come back from training and like sometimes be nearly in tears after getting bashed like yeah it would be it'd be rough so she didn't like that even like powerlifting she's not the biggest fan of <laughs> like, what does your mum want you to do uh, well she's like knitting <laughs> yeah study to be a doctor and like you know do that go you cj know. you have to be a doctor that's right yeah help people make you some money and not get hurt but i always choose the most violent sports and <laughs> Yeah, even I remember talking to Nicole, uh, who's a Filipino that trains here, and she was like, "Does your mum give you crap for being a powerlifter? Like saying, don't, don't do this. You're gonna break your back." Or and oh yeah, like, yeah, all the time. 
Yeah. yeah. I was telling Bridget, I was telling you, remember when my mum said to me, like, she saw a video of me squatting. She's like, you don't, why do you need to squat that much? <laughs> it's stupid. <laughs> Yeah. You don't need to do that. <laughs> what do your parents think, Bridget? Oh, they were terrified at the beginning. Same thing as CJ. Thought yeah. I was going to break my back. And then they actually came here and saw the comp and they love it. My dad wants to do it. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. He's like, old people do this too? Yeah. Like, yeah. I should <laughs> bring my mom to a comp. Because <laughs> when I competed, Thomas was like, is does, is your mom coming? I was like, nah. She, does she know you're competing? He was like, no, 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 really. <laughs> no, she doesn't know I'm competing at all. If CJ's mum saw him swear on the platform, she'd get up there and slap him. <laughs> she yeah. would. Absolutely. Grab him by the Discount ear. Discount my lift by yeah. jumping on the platform, whacking me. I have no idea what my parents think. Really? Yeah. <laughs> You're doing this. You've been You're in like this a pro. Than all what do you of mean? Yeah. My, my dad's come to one of my comps, Nationals in 2012. Yeah. That's the only time he's ever seen me lift. And my mum's never seen me lift besides she's on social media. So she's seen it on social media. But we don't really talk about it. Wow. Yeah. So That's your mum's seen how much you can lift as well? Yeah. Is she not like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I think she. I think she's commented before saying, I'm proud or something like that. Yeah. But I don't know if she, A, actually is, or B, really cares. <laughs> <laughs> my whole family, like my, only one of my brothers has ever seen me lift. Um, and I think he thinks it's cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's wild. Yeah, I was just going to say so that. so wild to think of that. Do they yeah. know, do they like understand that you're like a big dog in the industry in Australia? I don't know. I, like the brother that's seen me lift, I think he, he listens to the podcast. So hello, Tim. Shout out to Tim. Shout out Tim. He's the man. Um, I don't know if Johnny knows what a podcast is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my sister, Catherine, she wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. That's so wild. That's crazy. All right. Um, so let's get into the podcast topic uh, now that we've uh, finished talking shit. Um, the topic is, it comes at a uh, good timing now that we're uh, post-APL Nationals. How to bounce back after a competition. Like, are you in a training rut? Are you feeling lost? Don't know what to do? Are you lacking uh, motivation or discipline? Uh, whatever it is. Uh, how to bounce back after a comp. This could be anything. It doesn't need doesn't necessarily need to be a powerlifting competition. It could be an event. Uh, like, for example, myself this weekend, how to bounce back from the race after, you know, you've done peaking, you've peaked up to this uh, event. So I don't know. Does anyone have any thoughts on that? Thomas, you're the most experienced here. You've been around, you've been around the block in terms of powerlifting competitions and uh, you always seem to bounce back after injury, after competition, after everything. Uh, <laughs> you have to throw the injury out there for us. <laughs> The broken guy. Um, I think, uh, you know, we, we speak a lot about the idea of emotionally disconnecting from numbers and this idea of, you know, doing an event and then having to refine or recalibrate or, you know, refine the love, recalibrate, find a routine again, find a rhythm again. It is, um, in, in my view, primarily a novice to intermediate issue. Like the more experience you get, the more emotionally disengaged you get from it. Um, or at least you're allowed to discount the emotion a little bit. Um, and it's very real. Like it's very real for someone to do a competition and then immediately feel lost. It's because you put so much stock into the lead into this one point. And a lot of the times people will put that one point as the end point. And the reality is it's never the end point. Like for you doing this, this run on the weekend, that's not the end. You're going to keep training after that. But because we put this this thing, this competition, this date on a pedestal, that's where we stop thinking. And so when we get to that point and we go past it or get like, you know, as soon as the, excuse me, as soon as the event is over, it's kind of like, well, 
everything that I've 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 put in every all the work I've done has led to this point and now it's gone and then it's like now what and the answer is simple now what keep going nothing changes just keep going um but it's hard to rationalize that especially if the competition or the event didn't go to plan um but even sometimes when it does like you're on such a high and then it's all just gone like you make your post, everyone makes their post. A week later, it's it's gone. Like a week after nationals, what? It's gone. We're looking at some photos, but no one's like still riding that high. It dissipates very quickly, and you have to be quite emotionally resist re- resilient to just be like, okay, well, the next step is whatever the next competition is. You might not know what that is, but all the training leading into the previous competition wasn't just for that. That's just like a stepping stone in the journey towards the end, and we don't know where the end is because we don't plan the end. Um. So that's the rational side of things. The emotional side of things is a little bit harder. Um, the best thing that you can do for yourself, in my opinion, after after riding that high and being like, oh, wow, what next? Is to just like to develop and establish some routine, even if you don't have an end goal, is to just go and do stuff. And a lot of the time, I mean, you mentioned on the last podcast, um, Bridget, I think, yeah, right at the end, you said, you know, remember to have fun. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time reestablishing routine is going back to the roots and being like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to do a program for this next two weeks. Maybe I can just chill and go and do some bicep curls or go and do an AMRAP deadlift or go and do whatever the fuck I want. And just remind yourself that training's fun, the community's good, that you love doing what you do, and then you can recalibrate and find something else. That's nice. That's good. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's like um I'm <clears throat> so after nationals for me as a coach. Uh I've got I'm lucky I've got quite a few athletes that we can uh you know, go straight into prep for worlds. So training looks pretty uh, uh, simple for them. Like obviously they finished nationals. Some of them might not have had the performance they wanted. That's fine. But the, the goal, the goal's still there. It's like, all right, nationals was a stepping stone towards, uh, towards world. So it makes, um, makes uh, bouncing back for them quite easy. But then I've also got some uh, athletes that aren't competing at worlds or didn't qualify for worlds. So what do I do for them? Um, obviously, like for them, I've had a discussion with them uh, post comp, and we've you know we've moved the goalposts. The goalposts, uh, the end result isn't a big total anymore. So we've said, all right, the goal for this block is to build up some work capacity, uh, just try accumulate some volume through this program. Let's try get fitter. Let's try uh, get a heart rate high. Let's have shorter rest periods. Uh, are we trying to body? Re- are we trying to recomp our? Sorry, are we trying to change our body composition? Uh, I've just moved the goalposts essentially. So that. The focus isn't on strength. Lots of people think when you do powerlifting, obviously it is. The biggest thing is you're trying to get stronger, but mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the be all and end all. You can still do powerlifting and enjoy yourself without actually getting stronger. Mm-hmm. Like what determines progress? Yeah, the number on the bar definitely determines progress, but uh, some people don't take into account they're a way better bench presser now, technically. Uh, they move a lot better. Their shoulder doesn't hurt anymore. Little things like that. They're in better shape. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe before they didn't like lifting. Now they love it. You know, progress isn't only determined by the arbitrary measure of resistance. I love saying that. Eh? <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's how, that's how I always um, try to look at it. And it's, uh, this is speaking from someone that always crashes and burns after something, an event after, I remember last year when I ran that GC 30, I just felt empty after that run. I was like, mm. fuck, I got nothing to work towards now. Like the half marathon, instead of thinking, all right, I want to run a faster half, half marathon. I just pulled out of that prep. I was like, nah, it doesn't serve me anymore. But I just kind of made that thing up in my head because I had a really hard run the week after it. 
But it's like, yeah, like Tom said, I should have recalibrated, removed that emotional attachment to it, and uh, just kind of kept on trucking along. And um, like you mentioned previously, Bridget, being a, uh, realizing why you started this. None of us started powerlifting uh, because we had to. We all chose to do this. We all found it somehow, mm-hmm. and we got into it. Same with running. The reason why I started running is I realized that that's when I enjoyed being by myself. Uh, it was something difficult or something that I wasn't really good at. So I enjoyed suffering. And now that suffering's getting harder, it's like, oh, this sucks. But it's like, nah, that's the sole reason why I got into it. Got into it. It was hard. I enjoyed suffering. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's like CJ was saying before, you know, you raised that point about what, what Meg said in terms of training is a choice. Like, I, it's not like I have to train. It's I get to train. Mm. Uh, it is a privilege to to choose to come and do this. And there's a lot of power to be found with that in that. There's another really good quote along the lines of, um, you know, pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. You know, what we do and, and you know, not pain as in like physical pain, but maybe you define the you know, the grind is physical pain or emotional pain. Like there's, if we are pushing to be better, if we are, you know, trying to actively make these adaptations, it's not easy. It is genuinely hard. And the harder it is, there's probably um, a good indication that you're doing better. You know, you're going to make more progress. Um, And it's really easy to sit in that space and suffer as a result. You know, suffering happens in your head. It doesn't happen in real life. Um, and so the more we can look at, you know, I choose to come and put my body through this. I choose to, um, ex- I choose to accept the fact that this sport has highs and has lows. I do sometimes fail. I do sometimes lift weights that feel heavier than they should or they used to. The more you can see that as a choice and even less than a choice, but an inevitable part of the journey, um, the more satisfaction you can find in, uh, the other stuff because I guarantee in every negative session there's something positive to be mm-hmm. found um, but we're really good on comparing things to more positive times and then honing in and focusing on the negatives instead of looking at the positives and using the negatives as learning experiences it's one of my favorite expressions is even if you can't choose your situation you can choose your thoughts about it for sure mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely that's- that's really cool. You've said that to me a few times, actually. Because mm. right now when I come in and do my um, – I still do strength training like three times a week. And I'm uh, – it started because I, I kind of told myself I was weaker. So I started, you know, lifting lighter weights, which doesn't really matter. But, you know, and you hear this a little bit disheartening once you've been a full-blown powerlifting prep. And, you know, I was considerably – I was the strongest I've ever been because I was peaking – I was prepping for a competition. Obviously, the numbers on the bar were just getting higher each week. I was a heavier body weight, things like that. But yeah, I just changed my thoughts around what I'm doing. And I'm like, cool, I'm doing bench press because I enjoy it. Not because I'm trying to be stronger, because I enjoy it. And so, how good do you feel now? Yeah, I feel great. Yeah. Mm, not attached to a number on the bar, which is uh, really good for me. And it's really good to, uh, yeah, like you said, I, I chose to bench press. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's always interesting to like live the power of your mind to experience it. Like I recall um, when I did that stupid squat Guinness world record thing in the training, you know, like I've mentioned on here before, it would go for like four or five hours of just nonstop sets of 10 with a one minute break of, of squats, just light. But I'd get to the point where I'm like, I physically cannot go anymore. And I remember several times, like packing up my gym bag, putting the weights away, being like last time I did more than this, walking halfway to the door, turning around and going and doing more sets. Like just being like, no, 
you're you're not finished your brain is finished but your body has more in it you guys have probably seen me do it here in the past as well where i like go to pick something up and i've told myself it's too heavy so i don't get it then i step away and i'm like no fuck this it's Mm. not too heavy it's my brain holding me back and then i just pick it up yeah i tried to do that when we were testing the platform at nationals but it was too heavy (laughs) and so i just failed twice in a row Oh, that's but so good. Yeah, I mean, like, it's cool to see that in yourself and it's cool to see that in others. It's cool to see, you know, that's that's one of the privileges that we have as a coach is that we get to be that voice for them because a lot of people would do something and give up if it weren't for us standing there and being like, you know what, you can do better than this. Yeah, I believe that you've got uh, more in you and you should believe that too. And then they do believe and all of a sudden, wow, they mm. can do the task. Um, it's really cool to see that and, you know, it's cool as a coach to impart that view on others and then see them push themselves. Mm-hmm. It's um, something I always try to tell to my uh, lifters or athletes, whatever you want to call them, is like whenever they're nervous about a number or something, um, I always tell them that they deserve to squat this. Like you've, you've earned the right to squat, bench or deadlift this weight. I haven't That's just chucked cool. this random fucking number on the barbell. You've literally worked your way up and you deserve the right. You, you own the right to squat this. Mm. That's awesome. So it's really cool. And I remember, Bridget, last year during your prep, there was a set um, when you you went up to the barbell and you tried to pull it and it just didn't come off the ground. And you walked away. I was like, go back and fucking deadlift it. And you literally just walked back. You changed your mindset around it and then just went straight up. And I think we cracked up laughing afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Yeah, the mind's a powerful thing. Mm. And I know people think like things like, uh, you know, like David Goggins type stuff. Some people find that really corny, but I think that's fucking cool. Um, there's I this, love it. There's this chick called uh, Courtney Dewwater that I really love. She's an endurance runner, and she's the greatest. She's arguably the greatest endurance runner ever in history. And like at her checkpoints, and she's crazy because she doesn't have a program, nothing. She's just a freak of nature. She at her checkpoints, everyone's got their heart out, race nutrition and shit. She's got beer and tacos <laughs> waiting for her and things like that. But um, one thing she always says is like. When you're in the pain cave, you just got to sit in there and see how long you can sit in there for. Mm. And I think that's really cool. Nice. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it is corny, and um, I, I'm not really a big fan of the glorification of, like, uh, the military mm. and the military mindset, but I love listening to Goggins or those, um, any of the Navy SEALs that talk about their experience going through, you know, BUDS um, or, the you know, the Navy SEAL training program or um, the Rangers over there. Uh, or, you know, all those old SAS shows and the French Foreign Legion, all those crazy ass like training regimes that are literally poison to the human body, but designed to weed out weakness in the mind. And just hearing the stories of people um, who, yeah, they may not be the biggest or the strongest or the best physically, but just have a brain that's just like, nah, I I am here and I'm not stopping until I physically cannot stop. You hear people um, that know Dan Green really well describe him like that as well. Really? It's it's, it's um, probably an explanation as to why he gets injured pretty frequently is because his brain, he's like, his brain it gets overridden by his body. He's really good at just being like, I want to stop, but my legs, they've still got more. I haven't failed yet. So like, and you, you watch his videos and you can see it. Like mm. the guy just doesn't turn off. He's incredible to watch. Yeah, that's nuts. Have we got anyone like that here? Um, definitely, definitely have. I'm mm. trying to think of of names that come to mind. Um, the the one that comes to mind the most, you, none of you guys know. He was a um, 
he was a, a fighter and a tennis player that I used to coach. He was really good at fighting and really good at tennis. Um, and yeah, the guy just didn't know how to stop. He was like the true, true definition of when you train athletes and your job is to hold them back, not let them go as yeah. hard as they want to go. Like mm. the guy just didn't, didn't know how to not do more. That was like that. Um, he was only a kid, but his name, uh, what was his last name? Cooper from Brisbane Boys College. Yeah. I think he's the hardest per- hardest trainer I've ever trained. Tall kid, right? Yeah, the yeah. really tall kid, really aggressive, really everything he did was a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh you say, All right, we're gonna do three of these rotational slams. You're only doing a set of three because they're max effort. Like his ones were actually max effort. Everything he did was a hundred miles per hour, a hundred percent. And he'd always want to do more. Um and because watching him train, I was like, fuck this kid. He's literally built different. Mm. His mind is somewhere else. And I think I told you stories about him playing footy, CJ. Mm. He was a psycho, <laughs> like a dead set nutter. And he was a small, num- like a number eight. Uh, they're normally big guys, but he's not too big. He's like 90 kilos. And for like a 15, 16 year old number eight, they're usually around 108, 110 kilos. And other kids that I know that have played against him would, s- would say he's f- so scary. He'd fly out of the line and you hit you at a million miles per hour. <laughs> Even though he's 20 kilos lighter than you, he'd still f- cut you in half. Mm. And he was a fighter too. So he's a black belt. And uh, what was he a black belt in? I don't know, some kind of karate. I don't know. And I told you, CJ, when he kicked me over the head. He didn't kick you. <laughs> yeah. oh, sorry, kicked over kicked my over head. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, uh, he'll, I'm going to say it now, but he will be a professional rugby player. Like just the way he carries himself, so disciplined. Everything he does is, yeah, nuts. Yeah, that's awesome. It's wide different. Mm. But mm. speaking of David Goggins, I just got a funny story about uh, his book. So you know how his thing is stay hard? Yeah. So uh, I live with uh, two of my best friends and they've got a husky. And a couple of weeks ago, it ripped up every single book in the house. So the, uh, the lounge was covered and all. Every book was ripped up. There was one book that wasn't ripped up. Goggins. The Goggins book. <laughs> it was in the middle and we were so they were so pissed off cleaning it up and he was like, oi, fucking Goggins isn't ripped up. And he's stay like, hard. stay hard. Yeah. So stay we're joking hard. about how the book was just sitting there saying, stay hard. He's not going to fucking, he's not going to rip you up. Not going to mess with Goggins. <laughs> you don't mess with the Goggins. That's so right. yeah, it's so good. But um, does anyone else have anything about how to bounce back from a competition? How did you bounce back after your loss, uh, last comp, Bridget? Um, I've just learned to sort of fall in love with the process of training again. I always used to have, I used to have to have a goal to work towards and I've sort of been in a bit of a rut lately with that. But yeah, just falling in love with training in general has helped me get through it. Nice. Yeah. Mm. Just enjoying the process again. Exactly. Yeah. What about you, CJ? You you kind of bounced back straight away because you had another goal. Um, Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I've really, I guess, seen in myself sounds really like I'm blowing smoke, but like how much I guess training has made matured me as a, I guess a lifter. Um, Cause I remember like everything you guys were talking about, like what you were saying, Thomas, I've, I, I completely relate to it. It was like, yep, I did that. I did that. Like after my first comp, I kind of was like, Oh, well there's nothing here now. And I just didn't really train for like several months because I just didn't have any, I guess, goal or motivation or nothing that I was working to. And I forgot why I got into it. I forgot that it was about the lifestyle and um, just loving lifting and loving getting Mm -hmm. strong and loving the process. I forgot all that. And then I remember like we were talking about 
um, after that comp, I think I was cutting your hair, Thomas, and you were talking about Michelle Latham, and she's a strong, strong girl that used to train here, and um, at the time, like, her numbers are more than me. I think her bench is still more than me, and... It definitely is. Yeah, it definitely (laughs) is, by a long shot, actually. And I was just like, gosh, this girl's, like, so much older than me, so much lighter, and she just absolutely lifts, like, so much more than my total and you were like yeah that's because you're not training siege (laughs) 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 and you're like if honestly if you just stick with it i reckon you could you could be pretty good and at first i was like i was just saying that but i thought about it and it, it started to just really simmer in me and then when i started getting i don't know something just switched and i just went all out for this next novice comp that i just did and i saw the numbers that I did in comparison to my last comp and literally added like 105 kilos to my total. And all I could think about was, man, what if my mindset was in the right, like right place, like all those months early where I was just doing crap all, like what would have happened? It's so crazy how adhering to the principles of strength training works. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But getting into the mindset of doing it and it was just like, man, what if that, switch flicked earlier or if i just had my mind on the right you know place uh, uh during that time when i'd finished uh the comp what 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 i could have lifted you know and now when i think about that that's why coming off the back of this last comp i was like i want to get right into it i think part of it also was knowing that it works mm. <laughs> like just like you're saying like seeing what the volume does in the strength blocks and all those phases like now I've seen how much it added to my total. I see that it works. So now it gives purpose to the pain. And yeah, like there's times like just that I don't want to train and I don't want to come to the gym. And yeah, I just think of that, that mentality that David Goggins has. And it's like, well, no one can lift it for you. No one can do it for you. So you just, <laughs> and I, there'll be times where I'm like halfway through a set and I'm just like, I just want to drop this. And I, I yeah, same deal. I'm just like, yeah. And, who's who's gonna do it for you like you just have to do it you do it because you love it and i'm in so much pain and hurting but yeah it's that mentality but yeah i I think um that you see even saying that like uh what you were saying thomas about how the comp is not the end Mm -hmm. and that's Mm -hmm. what going into this comp that was my mindset it was like, oh, this isn't the end. Like after this, I want to get stronger. I want a bigger total after this. I want to, whereas my first comp that I did, that sort of was it. It became, you know, I was just training and training because I loved it. And then you're like, uh, James, you're just like, just do the comp. And it was like literally like a month out. So I didn't even really have a proper peak. Mm. <laughs> you're like, just do it. I'll sign you up. I'm going to sign you up. I'm like, <laughs> oh, fine. But then everything just went, to that comp like everything centered around that so when that finished i'd forgotten about you know why i got into it so going to this comp i guess having the the um just having learned and then coming into it with um the mindset of knowing that this is in the end and knowing what happened last time yeah it's really grown me i guess in my maturity as a lifter Mm. you're familiar with the new testament aren't you (laughs) <laughs> yeah you've seen the holes in the hand we need, we need to change your name to thomas <laughs> what do you mean doubting thomas oh <laughs> you guys know about thomas in the bible 
a little, little bit. <clears throat> Thomas was a disciple, and he didn't he didn't believe Jesus. He wouldn't believe Jesus until he showed that he raised him from that he came back from the dead. Until Jesus showed him the holes in the hand. That's CJ with programming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> training doesn't work. Don't yeah. believe it. <laughs> That's not the point I was making, guys. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's so the good. point I'm making. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, man, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. I just got to, just on that topic, uh, because we've all said, you know, CJ's did a little bit of boxing. Um, I'm currently running and doing a little bit of a training, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Thomas, you're in a little bodybuilding phase. Can you call it bodybuilding phase or just? Yeah. Not, yeah. Bridget, you're in a bit of a bodybuilding phase as well. Uh, let's talk about concurrent training. Can you train two disciplines at once? Absolutely. Can you do it effectively? Yes. Talk to me. Definitely. Any, <laughs> a, anyone who says that you can't just is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's it's important to add context here. Like if you're trying to be, um, if you're trying to, what's the marathon runner's name? Elliot Kipchoge. Yeah. If you're trying to be the Filipino Elliot <laughs> and then the Filipino Dan Green at the same time, of course it's not going to happen. Right, you're not going to be the absolute elite of a given task. You know, I th if anything, I'd say that's offensive. People who think they can be the best of the best in multiple things at the same time is probably offensive to the people that are the best of the best in that thing. Mm. Sure, there are outliers who probably are really great at a lot of things at the same time. Absolutely, you know, especially in like team sports. I think of all the, you would know, I don't really know, but I'm sure there's a lot of high level athletes that ended up in a sport, not because they love that sport and wanted to be the best at it, but because they got paid more than the other sport they were in. Like I'm sure there's stories of like cricketers that switch to AFL mm -hmm. or AFL players that switch to gridiron because the money's better or the contracts are better. And it's like, they're just athletically gifted. But I think... In most sports, especially sports that are individual, it, like you have to dedicate your time, your training to that thing to be the best at it. Does that mean you can't be really great at multiple things at the same time? Absolutely not. And it, all it comes down to is just intelligent programming. Like why can't you lift weights and run at the same time? Did you get a chance to speak to Matt, the guy that I trained last week before he left, who's doing the marathon as well? No, I didn't actually get to talk to him about it. So his passion is trail running. He does like 100K trail runs and, and stuff like that. And he was saying that like his training for the marathon, because he's doing, he's doing the half the day before and then the, mar the full marathon the day after. Or he's, or he's, oh. he's going with people in the half to like guide, I think, disabled people or people with Parkinson's. So he'll jog with them mm -hmm. and then he'll run the marathon. And I was like, wow, what does training look like up to that? And he's like, honestly, three to four strength training sessions a week and I run once a week. Wow. That's all he does mm. for it. And it's like, you know, he's built a base and he's he's intelligent around his training and he can, you know, he competes in CrossFit. He does a whole bunch of things at the same time. And as long as you're intelligent with your training and if you really want to prioritize one thing, you have to deprioritize some other things. There's no reason why he can't do multiple things at once. I think that's a big part as to why I'm a better runner this year, this time around than last year, because I'm a stronger runner. Mm -hmm. So because I still train in the gym three times, three times a week, um, even though it's not powerlifting specific, I still go pretty hard on those sessions. Like I make those sessions count as well. But um, there's a lot of, because uh, Thomas, you, there's a, a bit of a trend in powerlifting as well. There's lots of powerlifters that do Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well at the same time. Yeah. So that's a that's a really big thing. And do you think because this, like they're all really good at it too. Like mm. Edan that used to train here. He was really good at jiu-jitsu as well. Alex Evans that trains here. He was a powerlifter. He's very strong. He's good at jiu-jitsu. Uh, who else does? Chad Wesley-Smith. Yeah. He does both. There's quite a few. Like, yeah. It kind of just shows that you can... Uh, Edan's annoying though. He's just good at everything. He is. 
very strong. And now he does CrossFit and he's good at that too. I know. It's really annoying. <laughs> like really annoying. But whatever. He's just one of those people. Um, yeah, I think the important thing is, is it's, it's this. So this is where I get annoyed is when powerlifters talk about it. Like powerlifting training is hard. Mm. Like I feel like people who have adopted a powerlifting training mindset literally have no concept of what mm. other sporting endeavors look like. Like what, you know, Elliot's training would look like. Mm. Or even just Google how Michael Phelps or um, Thorpe, what's his name? Ian Thorpe. Yeah. How they used to train. Like what their training regime looks like. It's like six to eight hours a day. Yeah. Mm. We do that in a week. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Like four two-hour sessions, right? Yeah. With mostly rest. Mm-hmm. Like powerlifting training <laughs> is not difficult and it's not that taxing on the body. Um, that's the reality of it. And, uh, you know... You, <laughs> Of course, I've been an elite powerlifter. I coach elite powerlifters. Yeah, it gets full on sometimes. Mm. But the reality is is uh, we are extremely adaptable creatures that can do lots of things at the same time really well. And there's no reason why we can't. Um, you know, it comes back to the mental side of things. I think so often we just tell ourselves this is not possible. And so we just believe it. So we don't even try. If you just believe it and try and see what your body's capable of, you'll probably surprise yourself. Yeah, it's funny because like... Obviously, it's different for the elite uh, powerlifters. Like, this is their main thing. This is their, you know, they're trying to be elite at this one one discipline, which is powerlifting, squat, bench, deadlift. When other people say that, oh, I can't, uh, nah, I can't go shoot hoops or I can't kick a soccer ball this week because um, I've got a big squat session on a Monday. That's cool. That's real. That's fine. That's completely fine. But you also got to, like, take it. I always forget that some people do our sport, strength training, to, uh, like – to get better at their sport, mm. you know, which is a, it's a, it's a funny concept. Uh, some people, like you said, we're getting the powerlifter mindset. Then they're like, nah, this is it. This is the be all end all. I can't do this for this. But it's like, our sport is an accessory work for other people's main sport, <laughs> yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. 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 And you know, I empathize. Like if I'm peaking for a comp, I'm not going to go out and play. Mm. I don't play a game of anything, <laughs> but if you're like, come and play some casual basketball, I'll be like, no, I'm cool. Yeah. Uh, no, thank you. I got a squat on Monday. Like I, I get that. I totally understand it. But the concept of you cannot do that, mm. it, it, it shouldn't exist. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Absolutely. Any, anyone else uh, got anything to add before we uh, wrap things up? What sports did everyone play at school? What did you play at school, Thomas? Oh, so I grew up playing soccer. Yeah. I played soccer like club soccer from I don't know age six or seven until maybe. 10 or 11. Were you good at it? Um, I was a good goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I was okay. Yeah. Yeah, I nice. really enjoyed soccer. I loved it. Um, I, I got on some sort of rep team. I can't remember what. Yeah. I remember I was always on the A team at school, if that counts for anything. We used to go to do inter-school sports at Hagley, Hagley Park. Oh, they were the best, day. Eh? Yeah, that was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I got stage fright doing that. Um, then I played a little bit of ice hockey in... Um, in high school, and then when I moved here, <laughs> I competed in freestyle BMX until I was like 21. Yeah, nice. What about wild. you, CJ? What did you do? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got one more to add. I played <laughs> one game of rugby, and I pulled out halfway. Really? At halftime, I'm like, I'm not going back out there, and I quit. Hated it. <laughs> Hated every second of it. Sorry, your turn, CJ. No, hang on. Thomas Thomas is actually a really good BMX rider as well. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. Yeah. My bike got stolen, so I can't show you. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it got stolen like two months ago. Oh, uh. But how long did your ride be mixed for? Like from age 13 up until my bike got stolen. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, I stopped riding consistently when I was about 24. Mm. Yeah. Then I rode maybe like once every few months. 
Yeah, nice. Mm. Yeah, if you scroll back on Thomas's Instagram, there's a video of you out in the car park at the old gym doing like a 360 on the spot and then pulling 300. Yeah, or other, something other like way around. <laughs> oh, the other way around. You deadlifted 300 yeah. and then got on the bike. It's when Instagram Q&As came out and someone told me, dared me to pull pull 300 <laughs> and then do a 360. I'm like, well, I'll I'll show you. That's, that's <laughs> concurrent training. Yeah, baby. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually so <laughs> tell me you can't do both. <laughs> that's actually really cool. Wow. Um, oh, I played a lot of sports as a kid. I can't played a lot of touch footy, played rugby, um, and then I played rugby union for a club because the school I went to didn't have rugby. They had AFL. So I still played AFL because it was the closest thing to it. Um, played um, I get what do you call like hockey that's not on ice, so you run around with the one sided stick, like field hockey, hockey, field, 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 hockey. field hockey, grass hockey, yeah. <laughs> um, and then People make fun of that sport, it's a fucking brutal sport, yeah. yeah. It's very savage. <laughs> I just it's like how so CJ brutal. didn't know the name of it, <laughs> yeah. Land hockey, hockey, but not on ice, yeah. <laughs> running hockey. Um, and then, and then I think in high school, that's when I got into boxing, yeah, nice, and then yeah, just did that until. Whenever I think I was 19 was when I had my fight and then I didn't really uh, pursue fighting even more uh, any more than that. And then, then yeah, powerlifted. Yeah, awesome. What about you? Played rugby league, rugby union, touch football. Um, I did track and field when I was a kid. And that's it. Oh, I've because I've represented New Zealand in uh, touch football. Under 19, I went to, it was meant to be a Youth World Cup, but it ended up just being a Trans-Tasman series. Um, actually, repre- uh, I made the team again, under 21s. Um, what else did I do? I was in the New Zealand Academy for soccer. That's so, cool. Yeah, I can bring up those photos for you guys. Um, and yeah, I just played everything. Brag again about how many how many volleys you've done in a row. Oh yeah, 1,013. Nice. I can do 66 on my head. Really? Yeah. Have you seen me with a soccer ball? No. Have you seen me with a soccer ball? I've seen you dabble, but not properly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just dabble when, like, Jamie used to bring his boys in mm. and they'd have the ball and you'd, you'd, like, kind of juggle a bit and then... It's like riding a bike. It's probably like how you could jump on a bike anytime and uh, do... You still could probably do all the tricks you could do, just not as clean. Yeah. It's like that with a soccer ball. I can still, you know, people are like, fuck, do you play? And I'm like, nah, when's the last time you played? I'm like, 13. Mm. But I've just still got it. Mm. It's crazy with that, that sport, how young, one of the guys I cut was a soccer coach mm. and I was like, you know, how, how do these kids make it into the, you know, the Premier League or whatnot? And he was saying like, um, scouts start when they're like seven. Mm. I was like, what? He goes, usually by the age nine, you know if they've got it or not. Mm. Wow. And I was like, that is insane. Real recognized, like, real. After, <laughs> yeah. Recognize real. Like after that, it's, yeah. If they're, if they're not in academy by 13. Mm. That to me is just, yeah. So, yeah, you were 13 when you stopped. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. What did you do track field, track and field? What was? I was a sprinter. Oosh. Are you yeah. a sprinter? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, I I, bro, I got like, I can't say scouted, but because I ran track and field at school and then like they were like, oh, you're quite quick. Do you want to come join this track and field club? And I was like, yeah, sweet. What was it? We had a little athletics in New Zealand, but it was called something else. Colgate like Games? Colgate, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I went to like three Colgate Games. Oh, fire out. Yeah. Um, For sprinting? Yeah. Nice. Mm. I was good at shot put as a kid. Yeah. And I went to whatever, like the level, you know you do it at school and then you go to... Zones. 
well, we went to yeah QE2. Yeah. And then I got to the next stage. Um, but when I went to the next stage, which was also at QE2, I got there and I was sitting in the stands and I thought the thing was at like 10.30, but it was at 9.30, so I missed it. Oh. I was just sitting up in the stands, like eating sandwiches or something. Oh, <laughs> and no. I, so I missed the comp and I never went back. This is crazy. So my housemate, John Brooks, he was a sprinter as well growing up, but he was a proper sprinter. So he still holds the record for under 16 sprints in Wellington. He still holds the time. That's, That's crazy. Wild. He's 31 cool. years old now. So you still type in the records Whoa. and he still holds a record for like for 15 years. And uh, one of our mates posted it, um, I don't know how long ago, on his birthday. And you just see him fucking blitz the whole pack and it's crazy. <laughs> so good. Because me and him went and did sprint training maybe, this was 2016 when I still had two good Achilles. And he's like, yeah, let's go do some sprints. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to smoke. I'm going to show this guy who's boss. Like I thought I still had it. And he was blitzing me by like, <laughs> We're doing 100 meter like repeats, and it was blitzing me by like 10 meters every time. And there were these two girls sitting in the crowd, and they must have felt bad for me because I could hear them going, Go, white hat! What times did you run? Like, uh, uh, I've done 11.92. <laughs> yeah. So I did sub 12 when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13. It's quick. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what my 400 and 200 were. I could probably do it in 30. <laughs> yeah, I could probably do thirty now. <laughs> yeah, what about you? What were your sports? Oh, I did a bunch of stuff. Like I played. I was really good at netball. I was the captain of my netball team in high yeah. school. That's why you're so angry. <laughs> <laughs> angry? Net, yeah, netball players are the angriest people ever. <laughs> I'm angry? No. I'm really nice. No, no I did sweet. a bit of team sport. I did some soccer. <laughs> I did a bit of touch footy. But my main thing was athletics, and I was a sprinter and a swimmer. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I was a really good runner. I can't run. For Distance shit, running? No, 100 meter sprint. Yeah. Yeah. I did a few like endurance runs, but I hated them. It's all people that did track and field, females especially, they've all got like a same uh, body type. Like Lisa Ohl, track and field, Bridget Murphy, track and field, Liz Clay, they've all got that similar body type. They've all got big hamstrings. Long and lean like a gazelle. <laughs> yeah. Like a gazelle. Nice. And they've yes. all got big shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the swimming. Yeah, That's true. What, what what discipline of swimming did you do? Freestyle, mainly freestyle yeah. and backstroke. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I could never do butterfly. Still want to learn how to do butterfly. Nice. I can yeah. backstroke to save my life. <laughs> do you yeah. like going all different directions? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm Filipino, so I can't swim. <laughs> I remember I was actually, I really wanted to be good at basketball. Yeah. So I used to go to my, like, I lived down the road from my primary school. So when I was in primary school, I used to go every day and practice after school. And, um, for some reason, I was better than a lot of the kids, but I didn't get picked for the team, which probably means I probably wasn't better than <laughs> all of the kids. But for some reason, I decided to go watch their game. I can't remember what it was, but I went and watched their game and I just sit, sat there so salty and angry the whole time. Anytime like someone missed a pass or missed a shot, I was like, I would have got that. I would have got, <laughs> got that. Just sat there. And like I... I rem I don't know how long it would have been. Like as a kid, your memory's fuzzy. I reckon I practiced for like a year or something like that. Yeah. Like I played hard for a long time. And after I didn't get selected again, I'm pretty sure I've never played basketball again in my that's life. That's sad. Yeah, that's, that's really sad. That sucks. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Let that crush sad. Your dreams. It's actually pretty. It's actually pretty brutal as a kid, though. Eh? Like yeah. when you think about it, you love this thing, and then you don't get selected for the team, and then you just mm. don't play. <laughs> it's funny like because I, I became obese like at towards the end of primary school and then into high school and it was just such a quick reversal of being like on the a team to being literally that kid that's like d 
dedicated as picked last for any team. <laughs> I relished it. I never wanted to play. Once I got fat, I didn't want to do any form of physical activity. Really? Like either because of shame or just knowing I sucked at it. I just, I, I was happy to be picked last or to sit on the bench. Damn. Yeah. I faked sick every cross country, every, like I've done the beep test once in my life and I got 2.5. Wow. Yeah. 2.5. <laughs> <laughs> Would it make me feel good? <laughs> yeah. Well, my claim to fame though is that because I wasn't the fattest kid in, in that class, I wasn't the first out. I was second. <laughs> so I wasn't the worst. But now you're jacked out of your mind. So it's a. Right. Uh, in their face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Suckers. Who needs the beep test? I got the deadlift test. Yeah. Baby. yeah. Can you do got a three? The trophy downstairs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can you do a 360 then a 300 kilo deadlift? I don't think so. That's right. I showed them. Yeah. Suckers. <laughs> showed them. Oh, man. All right. It's been a really good episode. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Zero Weakness Podcast. Sorry, CJ. I kind of just jacked the outro. Yeah, uh, but um, also, I just checked our ratings on Spotify. We're not even in the top 50. So if everyone can keep fucking liking the, us, like, subscribe, share. Do, uh, the, do the rating. Like when you click to play the episode, you can do the five-star rating. It literally takes about four seconds. Yeah. Don't have to leave a comment. Just hit five stars. Really helps get the podcast out there. Really helps reach more ears so we can uh, give away more information and, and help more lifters out. Sweet. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Sam. See you Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more.